In this episode, I host a dialogue between Damarato, a lineage teacher in the Thai Buddhist tradition who is known for his unique one-on-one -on -one teaching style conducted over Skype, and Dean Slyter, a meditation teacher and best-selling author of books such as The Dharma Bum's Guide to Western Literature, Finding Nirvana in the Classics. Damarato and Dean compare their presentations of the Four Noble Truths the Eightfold Path, and discuss why the right way to practice is to take the easy way out. Damarato and Dean illuminate Shakespeare's Macbeth and Hamlet, liken Dharma to the Bolero, and reveal why Henry David Thoreau was America's first true yogi. Damarato and Dean also critique the Goenka and Mahasi methods, expose the number one meditation mistake and express why recognizing the sacredness of all things is the end of suffering. So without further ado, Damarato and Dean Slyter. Damarato and Dean Slyter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I'm so delighted to be hosting this dialogue between the two of you. And the story of how this came about, actually, Damarato, you emailed me. And you've been watching episode 189, the interview with Dean, called Effortless awakening and that's actually okay. the second of what will eventually be three at this at the point of recording only two of the three have come out so far but that's the second the first being episode 163 the dharma bum's guide to western literature both of those interviews with dean and you'd watched episode 189 and something about it inspired your suggestion for this dialogue and i think i have a hunch as to what some of those inspirations might have been but i'll hand it over to you could you perhaps explain a little bit about why you suggested this, and then we can go from there. Well, I just heard part of a, uh, a talk. I've heard uh, talks from uh, other people um, that, in fact, uh, we can touch on that idea of that a lot of people spend an awful lot of time and effort doing things that they don't get much value out of and then become disappointed as opposed to practicing correctly, getting immediate benefit out of it, saying, hot dog, I like this, and then they get really into it. And so um, there's some uh, basic issues uh, that way. And that for some reason in Western Buddhism, um, we have gone down an incomplete path looking for the wrong kind of things and not recognizing that uh, uh, the Buddha's path is actually the easy way out. Okay. And that uh, the whole quality then is to turn one's life in, into music, into a song, in, into a dance. Uh, it, uh, the Pali word for that is Leela. That's used in Hindi also, that the whole world is a dance. Why don't we just dance along with it rather than trying to fix it, thinking that it's broken? And so um, when, we, when we understand that everything is just in rhythm, just in harmony, just in going around in, in circles and wavelengths and vibrations and whatnot like that, then that fits right into the teaching of the Buddha. He talked about samsara, the things that just happen over and over and over again. And basically all we need to do is, is, is tweak it a little bit, sort of like cleaning our clock so that it'll tick. 
And so that's part of the, the practice of Anapanasati actually is cleaning one's clock. Go get all the dirt out of the, each of the gears and getting the jewels oiled and getting it set great, checking it out according to the standards and then let it tick. Let life go along just like that. There's, there's not so much to it. And so I'll go ahead and, and stop now and let Dean have a say. Well, let me first say that I, I'm so pleased to be here in conversation with you, Damarato, and, and humbled because, I mean, you, you, you're, you're a real teacher. And uh, I think of myself on a good day as kind of, you know, back in college where they had TAs, teaching assistants. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, uh, and actually, the teaching assistants, a good teaching assistant, I found, could be very useful. Um, uh, is because sometimes because uh, well, basically, no TAs, no T's. <laughs> there you go, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the, the TA, in a way, has maybe sometimes has a little more, you know, one foot in the predicament of the student and one foot in the in the knowledge of the professor. Uh, and I, I've uh, you know, tried to, to make that role work. Um, uh, and uh, I, I, watching your interviews with Steve, I was so taken with exactly what you just expressed, that spirit of, you know, uh, if it ain't fun, what's the point? That's, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, and I think that, I think that human beings have such a, um, their basic instinct, their basic impulse which is to be, is to be happy, is to have fun, is to dance. Every child knows how to dance. Uh, and there's such deep wisdom in that. And then, you know, yada, 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 we get a little older, we start getting beat up by life and trying to recapture that sense of joy. Um, and then we find that, well, it, 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 you know, trying to recapture that sense of joy in the local bar room uh, or the local, or the, you know, the hookup site works kinda for a while <laughs> until it doesn't. And then, you know, if we're lucky, we get out to, oh, there's a, something called the spiritual path that promises a, a, a deeper, a realer return to that joy. Um, but then it tends to get clothed in a lot of technique and a lot of uh, often misunderstood um, exotic terms from the East. Uh, and, you know, and we start to see it as exotic when, when in fact, the, our true nature, this, this true basic life, this basic joyfulness of ours is the, is the least exotic thing in the world. It's closer to us than our, our most intimate thoughts. Um, and so we, 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 there's just a tendency to get lost somewhere kind of halfway on the path, uh, we, you know, with a bunch of kind of you know half baked with okay i got some techniques and i got and i haven't quite got there yet so i gotta hammer away at it and again this this is where the the effort comes in i right. for the a long effort of, in fact if yes. we put in the right effort then there would be no problem but yes it's it's the wrong effort that they put in and and by the way let me see if i can sum up basically what you just said in the phrase of the song of looking for love in all the wrong places. Exactly. 
that exactly. we spend our lives looking for that happiness, looking for that joy, and most of the wrong places is where we were told to go look for it. Right, right. You know, that, um, way back near the beginning of this path for me, I, I studied with, with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who, uh, you know, was the progenitor of, of transcendental meditation. Um, and um, the way he put it one day was, he said, it's as if, uh, he said, we're like a, a thirsty man uh, just before sunrise trying to sip all the little dew drops off the, the blades of grass uh, before the sun comes up and, and evaporates them all. And then mm -hmm. finally, one day someone helps us turn around and we see there's this huge, beautiful reservoir of water that's been right behind us all along. Yes. Um, Henry David Thoreau had that same kind of point, calling it men leave lives of quiet desperation. So here we are desperately trying to get one little drop at a time, mm -hmm. um, basically through a kind of a mental soda straw. Yes, yes. And, and go ahead. Uh, no, no, please, you go ahead. <laughs> well, um, back in the 1980s, they had bumper stickers that said, life sucks, and then you die. Have you ever I, seen such? Okay. Yes. Um, uh, or life is shit, and then you die. Mm -hmm. But in the sense of sucking, yes, life does suck. And we're the ones who's doing it on that soda straw that we're talking about. Okay, so long as we keep sucking on that straw, life sucks. When we stop sucking on the soda straw, then right. everything is okay. Yep. That in fact, a lot of the teaching of the Buddha is basically just recognize what you're doing when you're sucking on things and just stop. Yep. That's yep. easy, just stop, stop doing it. You know, Damarato, I've got, uh... Something I came up with in my teaching uh, years ago, trying to, to make the, the four noble truths, to really boil them down and make them memorable. And, um, and what I came up with is the first noble truth is, oh, oh, oh. Right? The, the suffering, discomfort, right? Unsatisfactoriness, oh. Then the second noble truth is, oh, right? It's me doing it. Oh, oh, and then the third mm -hmm. noble truth is having put the first and the second together, we go, ah, there's the, real, the great relief of the discovery that if, if it's me doing it, I can stop doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that should be all we need. But then suddenly, oh, son of a gun, I'm doing it again. Because I've had so much practice, it's such a long-standing habit. So then we get the fourth noble truth, which is practice. It, it takes right. a while to, to unspool that old habit. So the fourth noble truth is like, you know, marching down the path. Up. So it's, ow, oh, ah, up. Okay. Uh, I remember one time riding a bicycle, basically from Bangkok to Wat Soan Mok, when there, there got to the point of one more pedal, one more pedal, one more pedal, one more pedal, okay. And, and sometimes life gets that way. And that at the bottom line, we need to get into that mentality of one more pedal. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Um, but uh, there's other states of mind that, that we can work with other than that. Uh, uh, you could almost say that some beginners could start off that way, that life has sucked so bad for them mm -hmm. that uh, it's hard to do any little bit of correct practice because the life suck parts comes right back. Um, Gawanka had a phrase, when the mind wanders away from the breath, never mind, start again. All right. Well, he's talking about that point of sati. When we recognize that the mind has wandered away from the breath, never mind what you might do with that, including where the mind wandered to, just come back to the breath. And that's so difficult for the beginners. Mm -hmm. We generally want to stop at least long enough to, to slap ourselves or point our finger at, <laughs> at ourselves or, or feel bad somehow or another of, um, of that. But getting back to your uh, visualization, that one's pretty good. The one that I have been using with the students is, this is suffering. Oh, this is the cause of suffering. <laughs> this is what it's like to be free from suffering. And this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I put it, and this is the way to do it. Right. All right. Going through right. the, uh, the, the points. So, right. yes, everything, in fact, is built upon this eightfold noble path of the Buddha. And getting uh, off onto the other side of the topic of, well, where do things go wrong? I would say, basically... That things have gone wrong when this when the teachers of the Dhamma are not steeped in the Dhamma long enough to recognize that the only thing there is to teach is the Four Noble Truths. Mm -hmm. That's the entire teaching of the Buddha. There are several suttas where he says, both formerly and now, I teach only one thing, Dukkha, Dukkha Naroda, with mm -hmm. that path. And yet we've got what? Satipatthana. We've got the Kawanka method. Mm -hmm. We've got the Mahasi mm -hmm. and, and all of that. And, and none of them that I know of emphasize the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Noble Path. Mm -hmm. And that, wake, that quality of in the here now, wake up one more time, one more pedal, wake up. Right. Wake up. Right. Look at what you're doing. Make a change. And basically, congratulate yourself. This is all part of the Eightfold Noble Path. And when we keep doing those things, the mind will become integrated. A lot of them think that uh, Sama area Samati means a concentrated mind. But in fact, Samati means gathering the factors together, mm -hmm. getting your act together, getting your shit together, they say sometimes. Excuse mm -hmm. me, Mr. Mm -hmm. uh, person on YouTube, <laughs> uh, but, we, uh, but that integrating quality uh, so that we live a congruent life is really what the whole teaching is about, uh, rather than us being caught in, um, let us say, confusion, doubts, lies, wanting this, wanting that, et cetera, like that, which is the way that most people live their lives. And making a change, just a little change is all that's needed. Just one after another, one after another, keep changing it right now. It's not a big thing. Mm -hmm. And yet 
the way that it started seems like that we've got to change our destiny. Right. There's something big inside in there. You know, it's even got uh, hints of rebirth and reincarnation and great big long periods of time sort of ideas in there. Mm -hmm. And and so um, we can also see it, though, in the sense of that our thoughts and our feelings is what gives rise to our speech. And our speech gives rise to our actions. Our actions give rise to our habits. And it's the habits that give rise to destiny. Mm -hmm. But we can't change the destiny. We can only change one thought at a time. Right, right. Which is easy enough to do. And people are working really hard trying to change an entire destiny. Right, right. It's like, you know, when you've got a great big, block of ice <laughs> sitting on a frozen pond and you and you say i gotta move this thing and so you run into it at full speed with your you're going to break your shoulder <laughs> but if you just lean against it and just keep leaning after a while it, it's it starts to to budge um so what i've found has worked for me in my practice and what i you know try to share in in the teaching that i do is is just that is just you know, add meditation practice. That's the, you know, as far as I can see, that's, that's the essence practice. That's the core practice. Add, add, add meditation practice. And then in these situations of thought, speech, behavior, there's always at any given moment, there's like a, a range of like, this is about as 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 despicable as I can stand to be at this point down here, and this is about it without it just just you know start vomiting or something. And up here, this is about as virtuous as I can stand to be without it it being a strain, and just just lean toward that that upper limit, and and that that seems to work well. Um, I I, I want to say that. Uh, I, I'm so um, uh, happy to hear you, you know, talk about the, the Four Noble Truths as essentially the beginning and the end of the, of the Dharma. Um, uh, because I think we've sort of come that, to that, that working conclusion in, in different ways. You've gone there by, by reading all the sutras and seeing, wait, <laughs> Four Noble Truths are not here. There's, it's all this other stuff. Um, so you've sort of, you know, by being a diligent scholar, you've exhausted all that. And I've gotten there by the way of laziness, which is, okay, I read the Buddha said, Four Noble Truths is all you need. And I said, okay, great. I'm going to stop here because I know I'm too lazy to read all of those sutras. Thank you so much for straightening me out on that. I had it the other way around. <laughs> I thought you were the scholar. <laughs> Well, I, I do have a little bit of scholarship in, in, in other areas. I, actually, you, you mentioned uh, uh, Henry David Thoreau uh, earlier, um, and, and I'm glad that you did because, um, uh, and in, my, in my, my book, The Dharma Bum's Guide to Western Literature, I have a, uh, a chapter about him and, and his mentor, uh, Emerson. Uh, a lot of most people, you know, if they get through high school, they, they've heard of Thoreau and, and Walden, and they think that, oh, he was just doing this experiment 
in minimalist living. He was just doing this experiment, a lifestyle experiment in, you know, dropping out of the economy, uh, seeing how little he could live on. And yes, there was that. But if you actually read the book rather than just, you know, thumb through the Cliff's notes and, and hope you pass the exam, if you actually read the book, you see what he was doing out there in the woods. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was, he was there. He was um, arguably the first real yogi, the first person in North America to encounter the, the teach, the, the Dharma in some form, some Eastern scriptures that had just been freshly translated into mm -hmm. English, which he pulled the books down off the shelves in, exactly. in Emerson's library. And, mm -hmm. and, and Emerson was out there giving beautiful lectures on that. But Thoreau said, no, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. I want to do it. But now also, there's always the mix of the personal and the, the, the cosmic the universal right so you know in in every case uh uh you know if we look at the biography we look at at your life story my life story we'll find the places where you know we 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 got our hands slapped we we ran our banged our heads against a wall and that motivated us uh, to to look for for relief from from unsatisfactoriness and in Thoreau's case, his his brother had died this sudden horrible death. He mm -hmm. nicked his thumb while he was sharpening his razor, got lockjaw, and died this agonizing death in Henry's arms. And Henry went into this deep depression. Went okay, I got to go out into the woods and seek relief from suffering. You know, that's the classic story. That that is the the archetypal story of the Buddha being repeated in in Thoreau's life and and. So I, I find it fits a lot closely of also, it also fits very closely with um, oh, Eckhart Tolle, mm -hmm. who had similar. Mm -hmm. He just he just suffered so much that he just had to just sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I was lucky, by the way. Uh, uh, I didn't have to have a lot of safes fall on my head. Uh, or Anvil. I always think of the old War Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons, which, by the way, I'm wearing my Looney Tunes <laughs> sweatshirt today in, in honor of the occasion. You know, I'm they, wearing they, my own style of Looney Tunes <laughs> shirt today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and you know, I was thinking. I was sometimes I try to I try to you know crimp a little bit for the for these interviews online you know what shirt should I wear today didn't I wear that with the last time with Steve and and I was thinking Damarato never has to worry about what shirt to wear I never do you you never have to worry about if you're having a good hair day <laughs> well things some things will grow on you <laughs> yeah yep um so, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Thoreau and um, when you were talking before about, uh, you know, life being this, this joyous dance, uh, it made me think of another uh, uh, book that I spent a lot of time reading and, and wrote a chapter about, which is Macbeth. And, you know, after Macbeth, uh, goes goes through a, a whole lot of self-created suffering 
and makes a complete mess of, of, of Scotland and, and, you know, just, just corpses all over the place. He finally, finally gets a, a bigger vision, a big picture vision, an incomplete big picture vision that his ambition, oh, I've got to be the king. I've got to get rid of everyone who stands in my way. And he gets this incomplete big picture vision um, where it's just tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. You know, it's, it's magnificent. The desperation is so magnificently expressed, but you can hear in the rhythm of that tomorrow and tomorrow, it's like this, this horrible march on a treadmill going nowhere. Um, but, but your words earlier made me think, you know, it's, it's such a small adjustment to just, if, you know, what is dancing? Dancing is, is, is it's like, not marching. It's not marching. It's it's moving the feet, but just giving up trying to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And that's what transforms it into joyous expression. Right, because we're not trying to get anywhere. It's no, we stop marching. Yeah, yeah. We, we turn it from four-four time into three-quarter time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> just just waltzing, and the and the waltz is the dance of love. Mm-hmm. Right, and that we're just, and then then we waltz through life with each other. It's so beautiful. Yes, so that's the basic thing uh, to change is is that that mental meter yes. mentality that we have to change the rhythms that we have. Yes, uh, that uh, I talk to the students sometimes about the repetition of everything, and I use several examples. One of them is Bolero that mm. starts off with that drum solo that just lasts and lasts and lasts and lasts. I don't think I could play 22 minutes of it on the snare drum. <laughs> I don't, I mean, that takes quite a talent. I got to cut in. I have to, I have to tell you, <laughs> my, my father was a musician. My father was an oboe player and, uh, and, and, and in my early childhood, when we lived in New York, uh, he used to play at Radio City. Uh -huh. and, and for the Sunday matinees, they would, they would have, they would in their invariably play Bolero. Uh -huh. And they always had an audience. And this is as my father described it, old ladies sitting in the audience, rattling their, the ba their bags of lunch and, and loving Bolero, and, <laughs> and, and as the, 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 the orchestra played Bolero, the Rockettes would march in wearing angel costumes. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, and my father came to hate Bolero. He said that same damn theme over and over again. Well, the oboe has a star show in that. Yes. Yes, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's work for an oboe player. I mean, <laughs> I know enough about oboes to know that it's work. Uh -huh. to, and so we want to give them short passages, but Ravel, he just overdid it. I understand yeah. that. I can yeah. appreciate you. Your dad began to hate that. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So anyway, that whole quality though, of, of, of allowing ourselves to get into a rhythm. Yes. 
because when we are not in a rhythm, we're not in a harmony, then what we have is noise. We have random things that are hard to understand. And so part of what we practice is begin to get a rhythm in our life. With that rhythm then uh, is where the music comes in, the harmony that we have with other people rather than the discord. And so this is where the, the life becomes music, but we have to get in tune. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us, we don't want to get in tune. We think that the noise that we're making is already just fine. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would, would add from the, you know, the little bit of amateur musicianship that I have, and I, I sing in a couple of, of choirs as well, the key to, to harmonizing is listening, listening to the other. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's, it's, it's listening to, in, in the case of, of the Dhamma, it's listening to, to life. It's listening to what's working and what's not working in your life. And it's literally listening to others. You know, I, I watch, I see so many people in conversation and what they're doing is they're, they're sitting and they're, they're mentally rehearsing what they're going to say next and waiting for the other person to shut up and, and give them an opening. And there's I know no I'm doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've done a bit of that too. It's a, it's a deep habit, isn't it? Well, no, I'm just teasing you with that because that's part of the, 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 the part that I talk to the students about. That right. in, in fact, what we can say that the Buddha's real intention was is for us to stop with so much of our internal dialogue, our, uh, our rap sheet, our, um, you know, uh, Shakespeare says, all the world's a stage and everyone is an actor. But Shakespeare failed to mention the fact that there we are, each one of an actor holding a script. Mm -hmm. And we are reading our script. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that the whole point then is, is that the Buddhist teaching is that we have to come out of that um, didactic uh, dialogue, uh, verbal uh, thought process. Right. And start having thought processes of taking in input, sound, sight, touch taste get into the five senses and spend our time uh experiencing the way that we feel experiencing the body experiencing this present moment because our only alternative to that is to get lost in thought mm -hmm. which often is thoughts of the past thoughts of mm -hmm. the future thoughts about places that are not here thoughts about work that needs to be done etc like that so basically when the buddha says the word tatata Tathagatha, mm -hmm. that, that's the one that they translate, you know, is uh, thus gone one, doesn't mean much to me, but the one who is here now, that's what it actually means. To be mm -hmm. here now means to be in our senses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that we can hear what the rhythms and the harmonies are of the universe and so we can get in tune and get into rhythm, get into yeah. cadence. But it's a waltz, not a march. <laughs> right, right. It's, it, I find it interesting that the, 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 the great prayer, the Maha Mantra of Judaism is the Shema. 
Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Shema is here, here, mm -hmm. O Israel. Listen up. <laughs> Open, uh -huh. open, open your ears, and then, and when, when you open your ears, when you hear the the song of life, what do you find out? The Lord our God, the Lord is one, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it. Come on, I don't know. I don't know. Eloheinu, Eloheinu yeah. is yeah. A, is a plural. It's like all these different gods, in quote marks, all these different places in which we've looked, all the different blades of grass, all the different places where we've looked for satisfaction, all our, our would-be gods, it resolves into the one, echad, one. And because we want something, and that grass out there, good old whatever it is, we find not fulfilling, and therefore we're dissatisfied with it, and we fail to recognize that it's sacred. Right, right, right. And right. so getting in tune is to get into with the, the sacredness of all things. Right. Like the Dalai Lama asked the hot dog vendor when he was at the, uh, uh, the UN and he went out on the street and he goes to the hot dog vendor and he says, make me one with everything. Right, right. And then you know what happened next. <laughs> yes, I, you know what you know what happened next. The, jo the joke is yours. Go. <laughs> okay. So then, then the vendor hands him the hot dog, and the Dalai Lama gives him a twenty, and the uh -huh. and the vendor starts to walk away. the The Dalai Lama says, "Hey, where's my change?" And the vendor says, "Ah, change must come from within." Within. Mm. <laughs> but but a little more seriously, we I think we do have to add. We do have to come full circle, and in. I mean, you're you're kind of saying this, but I want to make this explicit that that the recognition of the of everything as sacred means that all the blades of grass where we didn't find satisfaction, you know, we were we were looking, as you say, looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> then it turns out they're all the right places. They're all the right there places. There, mm -hmm. there it is. It's we, we first it, we're we're looking for it in each place and not finding it. So then we have to go to no place, right? That which is beyond place and time. We have to go within. And once we find it no place, then we start to find it every place. Right. Exactly but it, right. But it but it doesn't depend on any one place. It doesn't depend on any one thing anymore. That's the difference. Actually, it depends upon attitude. And yeah. attitude is another way you were talking about uh, leaning or uh, 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 tendencies. Mm -hmm. And that we uh, are born with the tendency um, that, in fact, I was just reading it again. I was quite surprised when a student um, asked me about the sutta. And I, and I go in there, and there are the four instincts. The Buddha is talking about a very, very tender infant laying on his back. Doesn't have the kind of hindrances and, and um, uh, uh, fetters that we have as adults but they are tendencies underlying tendencies that the buddha is talking about each one of them which easily then translates into the western concept of instinctual behavior mm -hmm. 
And so long as we live instinctually and live around other people who live instinctually, we we're taught to live instinctively by the instinctively living parents that we have. And we never wind up growing up and being fully capable of being a full human being with all the capabilities of wisdom that a human is capable of doing. We remain kind of mentally deficient because of the attitude of being a victim mm -hmm. that we're looking for a god we're looking for a helper we're looking for a teacher we're looking for a guru we're looking for a a, a medication a drug a uh, um an lsd or something mm -hmm. we're just out there looking for love in all the wrong places basically we're mm -hmm. just out there looking for stuff and when we uh first off we begin to see that we're dissatisfied that's why we're out there looking for love that this is basically what we mean then by the seeing of the dukkha is recognizing oh that it's that i'm dissatisfied mm -hmm. and i'm looking for something to come out of my dissatisfaction most mm -hmm. people are are there thinking that their dissatisfaction is caused by something on the outside and so we can get something on the outside to fix us so that we feel good Mm -hmm. my favorite is is that we all need a plastic jesus riding on the dashboard of our truck or we're going <laughs> to wreck our car you know <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we we need something on the outside mm -hmm. uh, and that also keeps us filled with doubt about where we're going to find such a magical creature that cares enough about us and the christians they promise one oh we've got a personal relationship with a god here mm -hmm. And so we have a lot of people coming into Buddhism that has come out of the dissatisfaction of ain't no God here. I didn't, I mean, I, mm -hmm. if I, if I talk to him, I'm nuts, but if he talks back to me, I'm psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and so, um, we're looking for more and now what we is what we're finding from the eastern uh, traditions most specifically from the buddha is is that there is a path to come out of it but because of christianity and all the other magical thinking about how good we feel we put the results way out of reach right right and so right. we're reaching way too high and we work way too hard when in fact the easy way out is just take it easy. Yes, yes, and this is this is getting back to what you were saying before about about marching. We're we're you know we're 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 marching toward. We keep thinking, okay, I'm marching towards satisfaction. I'm, I mean, again, Macbeth is is the great archetypal example. Once I get to be king, I'm marching toward to the crown. Then that'll be it. Then, you know, we're like little kids on Christmas, you know, coming up to Christmas. Mommy, mommy, please buy me the Barbie doll. Buy me the G.I. Joe. That'll be it. The one thing that'll make me so happy, my head will explode and I'll never want another thing again. And and it's never. And they it. train us. Mommy trains us to go want her to do that for us. Yeah. She yeah. was the one who told us about the Barbie dolls or let us watch it on TV. <laughs> right. Right, right. So, so then, when people come to the spiritual path, they're still they're they're bringing the same approach. It's mm -hmm. they're making the spiritual pro approach. Um, okay, this will be the ultimate march. This will be the last march. Mm -hmm. And but as mm -hmm. long as you're marching, I find after years of teaching, 
I got it down to a, a sentence uh, in, 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 in describing meditation and what's, what's wrong with, I think, what's, what's unskillful about the way most people try to meditate, which is that they try to meditate. Um, uh, you know, it's the, it's the one thing where working doesn't work, where not working works. Uh, and, and, and the way I explain it to people is I say, and, and for me, this is like, finally, I found the E equals MC squared of this thing, which is any effort to create a non-agitated state of mind is itself a form of agitation. And I was like, duh. <laughs> yeah, brakes make a car really hot. <laughs> there you go. That's simple. That's simple. Uh, and, you know, if you can just, kind of gently, uh, as gently as possible. Sometimes people make it hard for you to be gentle. You have to be a little more forceful. But one way or another, you can just pull that rug of effort out from under them and they kind of go into free fall. And, you know, the first word in free fall is free. Then things are good. Well, if we're free, then why do we call it fall? Because the fall brings in the feeling of danger falls and crashes so you know maybe we can just be free yeah but but you know it's not the fall it's not the falling that gets you it's the landing landing right it's (laughs) falling is bliss falling is 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 flying and and you know the great discovery in meditation is there's there is no landing there's there's no there's no nothing solid in there to crash Ultimately, nothing solid out here. Actually, we do, we do, we do. We crash right into the next moment. (laughs) Yeah, right. Or we can waltz right into the next moment, Uh, our choice. (laughs) Right. And then each moment becomes an opportunity to, as you said before, to tighten up and and create suffering or relax and and dance and be happy. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the analogies that we can talk about would be um, a truck that if a truck is going high speed, then any time it hits something, there's going to be a lot of damage. You're going to break into a brick wall or, or whatever like that damage to the truck. But if the truck is only running at one mile an hour, when it runs into the wall, hmm, nothing mm-hmm. much happens. Okay. Yep. So basically what we can do is stop running so hard mm-hmm. and let things just sort of settle down. But in fact, um, we don't have to put the brakes on, per se. We can just stop what we're doing right now in this moment. So if we see, like, um, who is it? Um, The Flintstones, where they're in that car, and they're they're pedaling with their (laughs) feet. All we have to do is just stop pedaling. (laughs) And the car will settle down and and just come to an easy rest. Um, But we have to remember to stop pedaling, to stop having those uh, kind of discursive uh, thoughts and just be in the present moment with our senses. So further with the truck, imagine that you're out on the highway, standing in the middle of the road, and you see a great big lorry or a big truck just bearing down on you. In fact, it's even blowing his horn. Now, the average Mahasi meditator will be like Popeye and the Vajrayanas 
are going uh, to do their thing. Now, what is that? They're just going, they're going to be terrified that that truck is coming, but they won't get out of the road. They'll just get with it. They call that choiceless awareness. I'm going to choicely get run over. Uh-huh. But the Mahasi, they're like Popeye. They're going to eat some mental spinach and they're going to stand there and let that truck run right over them with their big fist. <laughs> right. Okay. But the actual Buddhist way is when we see that big truck coming down the road, just step out of the way. Yeah. That's the yeah. easy way out. Take the yeah. easy way out. Just step out of the way. Let those thoughts just, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Yep. Or as yep. the way that the Buddha says, aha, I see you, Myra, and just step out of the way and let right. it go. I, I actually, for, for some years when I was younger, uh, I studied uh, the martial art of Aikido. Uh-huh. And 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 that's what Aikido is all about. And uh, is. when 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 the other guy's coming toward you, it's like, oh, you want to rush toward me with all that energy? God bless. Let me help you along, and you just help <laughs> him go flying or rolling across the room as you step out of the way. Yes. Yeah, so this is mental jujitsu or mental uh, um, yeah, Aikido. Uh, Aikido. Mm-hmm. Well, they're they're basically the same thing. They're getting out of the way. Yep. Yep. And, and and letting people, uh, or in this case, uh, uh, unwholesome thoughts, just yep. sort of fall down. Maybe, maybe part of the reason that getting out of the way appeals to me is that as, as a kid in school, I, I was the kid on the playground that used to get beat up a lot. Uh, because I was I was kind of scrawny and and um, um, physically I was not assertive and you know once one kid figures out he can beat you up and and you're not going to fight back then you're you're screwed then everybody beats you up um um so i i knew i was never going to be you know robust and courageous enough to 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 beat other people up but and but in fact and i was i was terrible at sports the one sport that i was good at the one game i was good at was dodgeball not throw, not throwing the ball at other people, dodging out of the way. I was great at that. So, so maybe, maybe there was an early inclination toward this. In fact, I wanted to ask you. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, I, I will say that. Then, in fact, uh, the entire teaching of the Buddha is the art of gracefully, beautifully, rhythmically dancing dodgeball. <laughs> dodgeball. Okay, we got a new one, a new metaphor. Excellent. I, I, did, want, I did want to ask you, speaking of, of, of childhood, because I noted that in your, your earlier interview with, with Steve and one of them, um, you mentioned that in your childhood, there, there was uh, some moving in Oklahoma and North Carolina and that. So you experienced being the new kid a lot. And, and that happened to me as well. We started in New York. Then we were in, in Cedar Hill, Missouri, briefly. And then we moved around several times in California. So I kept being the new kid over and over. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and, and in my case, I figured out that the, the, the coping strategy that worked for me uh was that i could be clever and funny and then and you know and then and then i was okay um mine was to be better and faster uh uh-huh with Uh a hint of with a hint of humor right 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 but i so i wonder if that in both of our cases and maybe 
and I'm just thinking out loud here, and that maybe this might be the case for many people who find themselves on the path and find themselves doing, you know, some functioning as some form of teacher, that there's this sense of being an outsider, being kind of one foot in being from the outside, and then one foot in finding a way inside. Is, does that make sense to you? Not only does it make sense, it's really, really an important point because that goes back to when we feel outside, that's the victim's position. Mm -hmm. And when we feel like that we're on the inside, we feel well-loved with the teacher's pet. Um, all of our aunts and uncles love us that the other kids clap for us, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Most of that, by the way, is mental <laughs> sucking on a straw. <laughs> right, but, right. But I'm, I'm giving the, the idea. And that's basically why so few, if no one at all, feels like an insider. We mm -hmm. all feel like outsiders. Uh. Um, that in fact, when I was studying psychology, this is kind of an interesting thing that happened. Uh, it wasn't prearranged, but it, it had to do when uh, some very famous psychologist was coming and doing a weekend retreat and everybody in the entire group was, was there. Um, mostly it was uh, uh, connected with the uh, psychiatric nursing department of the University of uh, Michigan. Mm -hmm. But there was also a lot of psychotherapists who were taking courses from Huron Valley. I won't go into the detail, but this was a big thing. And a lot of people knew a lot of other people. And in one of the breaks, they got into a big discussion about the cliques and who's on the inside and who's mm -hmm. on the outside. And I mean, it mm -hmm. just, can't, these are psychologists. I mean, half of the crowd with PhDs in psychology is that kind of place, you know, and here they are doing these four-year-old kinds of stunts. Mm -hmm. And one of the psychologists, um, my trainer, in fact, um, he says, well, let's do it. Everybody take out a piece of paper and, and write down five people that you consider on the on inside mm. and everybody passed that you know they wrote the names down put it up and for the rest of the break they were doing the tallying mm -hmm. it was a game changer for me to find out that i was on the list of being an insider it just <laughs> didn't make sense mm -hmm. and did, that it, did, it basically did, did everyone, did everyone think that everyone else was on the inside and they were on the outside? Everybody. That was what Mike's point was, is that no one considered themselves an insider. Everybody considered themselves an outsider and nobody put themselves on their list. No that's, one voted for themselves. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of uh, something I read a couple of years ago um, uh, some some polling uh, uh, outfit uh, asked people about this idea of middle class uh, and and what uh, and how much money it takes to be considered rich and how much it takes to be considered poor. Turns out everyone thinks they're middle class and that mm -hmm. the people above them are rich and the people below them are poor. Right. Well, that's the. I mean, the brain is built that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's yeah. not built to do mathematics. It's it's built for based upon feelings, right? Of, of who's up, who's down. That's right. all. That's that. That's where all of the feelings come from. From from the fact that this is instinctual, right? That right. food that tastes bad, we shouldn't eat it. It must be poison. If we taste something and we like it, then we can go ahead and eat it. It's nourishing, and that's how we got um, every religion. And in our entire society, we think that morality comes from what's actually good and what's actually bad. The reality is, is that morality comes from what we like. Mm. If what we like and we need it, then it must be good. And if we don't like it and want to get rid of it, it must be bad. Mm -hmm. And this is the entire teaching of uh, in, in the book of Genesis, the teaching of Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. Okay, eating of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, what that actually means is that we've got to put up with the judgments we make. Right. And we go around judging good and bad, and by doing so, we destroy the paradise that we live in. Yeah, yeah. And so we need to, and, and not only that, but this also fits in exactly with that good and bad according to the rules, which is the Silabata Paramasa, or in a way, critical thinking. We actually enjoy and teach the kids, you got to do critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Guess who they criticize themselves. Right. right. You know, that, that's in Shakespeare also. Uh, Hamlet says there, uh -huh. is nothing, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. It's exactly so. That's yeah. what the whole getting is. There is no good or bad. It's what we like and what we don't like. And if we do that wisely, then we live a wise, happy life because we can control how we feel. You know, my mom used to sit me down to a breakfast of Rice Krispies, sliced banana, white sugar, and heavy cream. And man, I would like a bowl of that right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I know there's a whole lot of people that'll tell me that that that's terrible for me. And now I'm remembering years later, um, when when I was studying with with Maharishi, and it was this was around 19 early 70s, about 1970, I think. And you know, there were all the popular fad diets, macrobiotics, and this and that. And the people, oh, they're still out there. Yeah. Yeah. So the people on my they dominate the internet, but they're no longer on cable TV. <laughs> the, 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 the people, the people on, on, on the course were all pressuring Maharishi to tell us, okay, what's the best diet? What's the, what's the enlightenment diet? Come on, spill the beans here. And he, and, and he would not go there. He, he, his whole thing was just meditate twice a day. And, and, you know, that think things will be fine. And, and finally, he said, okay, I'll give you one rule, one rule of one principle of diet. If it comes from mother's hand, it's good for you. And at the time, I thought, no, that can't be. You know, it's so interesting. All the things that the guru said that I liked, I would take, and the others I would just, you know, not refuse to hear, right? I said, that can't, because I was, you know, a strict vegetarian at the time. That can't be. My mother serves pot roast. My mother oh, serves. And, but you, and, you and, were and, misunderstanding, okay? Yeah. There's several ways to look at that. And one of them is in the sense of, oh, well, we've got to compare 
um, what the diets were 15, 60 years ago, according to the moms and what they knew back then, based upon um, all of the fads of today. And, and now, obviously, today is much better than way back when. Mm-hmm. And so we use today as a standard to judge the past. Right. And right. you're doing it right out here in the open. How many times do we do that secretly in our own mind? We judge ourselves in the past based upon brand new standards. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, what doesn't change is love. And well, I was about to get to that. The yeah. real point that he's making is, is that yes. look at the hand of mom. Yes. Okay. Yes. Looking yeah. for love in all the right places means that it's, <laughs> <laughs> that it's got that nurturing quality to it. Yes. But in fact, what we're looking at here is, is that it's good because mom hands it to us as opposed to giving her us the back of her hand, which is what we generally remember. Right, right. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty I'm, side. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. The that 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 expression, the back of the hand versus the the giving hand. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I yeah, I'm pretty sure that a a bowl of of rice krispies with 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 white sugar and heavy cream from mom's loving hand and with that wave of happiness that I'm going to have eating that is going to be way better for me than a than a bowl of of, you know, extra 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 roughage veg- extra green veg- roughage right <laughs> vegetarian a1 stuff that I, that i'm sitting there straining at being virtuous to eat it well that whole idea of um what we eat is who we are is an old myth yeah, it's been been debunked so many times. I mean, even Jesus and Paul both says it's not what goes in your mouth it's what's come back out. Right. Right. And that uh, um, at one time, in fact, there was a big movement. I don't know where it actually came from. I'm not sure about the roots of it, but it was in the early 90s, a big movement in Bangkok about vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. And this is when Bhikkhu Buddhadasa was really, really old. And so they go and they hassle him. But this was not the first time because they did it back in the 70s, too. And his always his answer was when they try to confront him and get something out of him, he says, I eat food. I eat food. That's what I eat. I eat food. You're the one who's dividing it up and chopping it up and taking this is good and this is bad. And that goes actually back to the Buddha. The Buddha mm-hmm. did, I mean, he was Jain in the sense of all the austerities that he had, uh, mm-hmm. dog duty and cow duty aesthetic and all kinds of really strange things. Mm-hmm. But when he did on arms round, he took what was leftovers. He took what was given. Being content yes. with what we've got. Yeah. I, okay. I, I love the principle that if, if I've understood this cor- correctly, and it sounds like you're, you're affirming that, that, that the rule is whatever was put in your bowl, you have to eat. You're not allowed to, beggars can't be choosers. No, you, no, you no? don't have to eat it. Uh-huh. You don't have to eat it. Then in fact, if you, if you want, you can continue on bend about it. The first part of your bend about, you've got stuff that you will find um, awesome to give to a friend. Let's put it that uh, way. Uh-huh. Then we can continue uh-huh. on the route. Right, right. But, but, if it's put, but if it's put in your bowl, it's okay to eat? Is that the idea? 
Well, you wouldn't want to eat yeah. everything, but in oh. fact, uh, uh, I mean, there takes a little wisdom and discrimination. Here's an example of that, is that in Bangkok, it's lucky to uh, pile up a bunch of coins that equal the number of baht that is your age. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody's 47, he's going to take a little pile of coins, put them in, in a, a plastic bag and wrap it up, and he's going to go put that in the monk's bowls. Mm. And he's going to, we use 47, that's the example. And so he's going to have 47 packages of these. He's got to go to a temple where there's going to be a lot of monks mm -hmm. so that he can give 47 different monks a package that's got 47 bot in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. The monks don't eat that. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Right. But in fact, generally, um, even the rice, the old days was is that the rice was the only thing that they put in a bowl that was not already packaged. Mm. That if they've got a curry or something like that, it's going to be in a little pouch. And in the old days, that would have been a, uh, um, a coconut leaf that was wrapped mm. up. Thailand mm. still has a huge number of products that come delivered as a coconut leaf or mm as a slice of bamboo that sometimes I have to go take that bamboo and pull it apart to get the rice out of the inside of it. They take the bamboo and, and do it that way. Mm -hmm. So that, but nowadays they also use a lot of plastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in that regard, it's, it's, it's food. That's what we're uh, working with here mm -hmm. without having to make a whole lot of discrimination about it. And everything is, is okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to get back, I, I just, just one more time on this idea of being uh, uh, outsiders, okay? Okay. Because, because I mean, you know, you, you've made the point that, that everyone feel, thinks that they're the outsider. Um, and, 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 I mean, maybe that's the, the final answer to this. But I, I still have a sense, and maybe this is just my delusion, um, that, um, well, people who are, you know, again, I, I, you know, from an early age was, was having some kind of spiritual openings and, 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 and it was very fortunate for me that, as I said, I did not have to have a lot of grief to steer me to the spiritual path. Um, but there, curiosity is the right way to go anyway. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, it did give me a feeling of kind of, well, I'm here among the earthlings, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I, okay, I'm pretty good at speaking the language of the earthlings, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm sort of a visitor uh, from an, from another place. Um, mm -hmm. uh, do, do, do you know the, the movie Elf? Yes, that film, that that's a wonderful film. You know the whole the whole business of being from the from from the North Pole, being from the land of of of, of Santa, uh -huh. uh, and 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 finding yourself in New York. I mean, that's that's sort of the feeling to me. Um, okay. Well, part of this that was so magical is the fact that he was a bumbling idiot in the North Pole, and then he was a real bumbling idiot when he got to New York. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. 
but and everything worked out just fine. <laughs> yeah, everything worked out fine. But, but you remember, he lives by the Elf's Code, right? And the El and the Elf's Code. Wait, I pulled it up here. The Elf's Code it, it has three three rules: treat every day like Christmas, mm -hmm. right? One one treat every day like Christmas. Two, there's room for everyone on the nice list. On what list? The nice list. You know, there's the naughty list and the nice list. Oh, everybody belongs on the nice list. There's okay. Room, there's room for uh -huh. everybody, everybody on the nice list. And three, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I mean, to me, those three things, that's it. That's mm -hmm. it. You, you, you got it. You know, every treat every day like Christmas. That's the joyous dance. And, right. and, and don't every don't... day is Christmas. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Here's, here's a, here's a part of that that goes along with it. Uh, when I was a monk in North Carolina, I had interactions with a lot of Christians and have quite a long list of the questions that they would ask and the answers that I would give. And one of them was about barefoot. Mm. And my answer to that was, is that you remember Moses when he got to the burning bush, that it told him to take Moses, take off thy shoes for thy are upon holy ground. Mm. Right? Well, I'm obliged to be on holy ground any minute now, so I go around barefoot naturally. <laughs> right, right, right. And and I also use it from the perspective of the um, Pilgrim's Progress. There's mm -hmm. an old book. You might be a, um, a a literature buff. You can give us the history of maybe Dante or something like that. Back John, John, it's John, John Bunyan. Bunyan. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Probably right. probably got bunions from all that pilgrimage. <laughs> well, here's the thing about the pilgrims, especially those that would go from Europe to the Holy Lands, that once they would get to one uh, holy site, how long does a pilgrim stay at the holy place? And if he does stay, is he now a pilgrim? Mm. And basically what they would do is they would go from one holy site, stay there only a day or two, check that off the list, and then they'd get back on the road being a pilgrim mm. and get to the next holy site, and they're not going to stay at the holy site. What we right. need to do with Anapanasati, the practice of the Buddha, is once you arrive at the holy place, stay there. Just, you know, stop already. Right. <laughs> Sit down, enjoy. There's Sit no place to go. You're already in the holy place. Yeah, this yeah. is it. Yeah, this is it. This, this is, is it. it. There, there's, 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 there's no place but home. Mm -hmm. And there is no day but holidays. Right. You know, right. I, I right. don't have to get into the argument about uh, happy holidays versus Merry Christmas, but we can say that every day is a holiday. Yep. yep. Every day is holy. I, I saw this, this stand-up comic on TV once. And, and he was saying, I forget who it was, but he was saying, you know, I don't get this thing about New Year's that, you know, when the when the ball drops on New Year's and you go, ah, you go crazy and, and then you're happy and it's special. And he said, maybe when you see crazy people on the street, they're walking down. Ah, he says, maybe they're just celebrating every moment. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
Well, I I have heard and and considered that that joyous cheer has the quality of last year was terrible, but we made it through. Finally, right. it's over. Right. Wow, yeehaw, we made it. <laughs> right. It's sort of like a championships um, um, point of view. Right. Uh, and that we actually need to experience that yeehaw, that um, exuberance. Mm-hmm. We do need to have wins like that. Right. But don't have to do with the calendar. It has to do with the fact that, wow, I made it through today. <laughs> right. Oh, right. wow, I made it through that interview. Yeehaw. Yeah, right. And now I can, can get back on the treadmill again for another 365. <laughs> well, I was actually going to the next one. I can get, yeehaw, I made it through this breath. Right. <laughs> I'm still alive. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, as they and as they used to say, this offer good for a limited time only. Mm-hmm, exactly, and so let's make the best of it. This yeah. this also goes with the idea that the way that we're raised, all kinds of things are important. Mm-hmm. So many important things, but really, when we're dead, none of that stuff's important to us. Right. But really, the only thing that's important is being alive. Right. And what we need to do in order to celebrate that is by actually being alive. Right. Right. Which means in the present moment, exuberant, full of life, vim, vigor, happiness, joy, being in the present moment, really, really grateful and joyful for being alive. Yeah. Because we ain't going to have it for long. No. I, I used to have a book, which I lost. I'd love to find this book again. Uh, I don't remember the title, but it was Book of Anecdotes About Jazz Musicians. Uh-huh. It was really entertaining. And, and one of them, this, this one old jazzer had died, and the, his, other, his two old buddies are there at the, the funeral, and they're, they're standing there, they're, they're looking at the corpse, and one of them says, what was wrong with him? And the other one says, man, when you're dead, everything's wrong with you. <laughs> Well, that's a perspective, but in in fact, the other way of looking at it is, is that when you're dead, nothing can go wrong. After right. you're dead, what can go wrong? No nothing, problems. <laughs> no problems, exactly. No problems, right. That in fact, that's part of the funeral chant that the monks have. Mm. Uh, basically in the United States is when we're holding the hand of the young man um, whose father has just died and we do this chant and help him push the button because it's over then. Everybody right. knows that you push that button and that fire is going on and there's no more daddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so mm-hmm. that, that the saying is Anicha, Wata Sankaru Patawa Yudamino. That last part means that death is the highest peace. Don't get no better than that. That's the real Nibbana. The real Nibbana is when you're cold in the ground or smoke in the air. Okay? Because... Uh, until that happens, it, you, you still got to breathe. You still got to put that effort in. 
Yeah. Not much effort, but we do have to keep the effort going of taking the next breath. And in right. fact, the breath defines us. That's why we call it expiring. Right. And that Expire. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. The last breath is an out breath. We're like a we're like a library book. We we expire. Right. <laughs> we right. stop breathing. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, let's make the most of that breathing. Yep. Yep. That keeps us alive. Yeah. Enjoy oh. it. Right, right. But the other side of that coin, and I use this a lot when I when I'm, you know, guiding people in meditation, I don't do this with the beginners, but the people who've been around for a while, because the beginners, they think, okay, I'm, you know, and I like to really just have a big tent, I like to, to, um, um, uh, you know, I'm, you know, the, the, the Buddha, as I'm sure you know, the Buddha said near the end of his life, you know, go, said to his, the disciples, you know, uh, uh, go, go forth and, and spread the Dhamma in the dialect of the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the dialect of my people, you know, we're, we're middle class Americans. Most people are not going to be speaking the language of classical Buddhism. Or, so, you know, I'm, so I'm speaking the, the language. Well, of, that's why we do the language of um, uh, uh, what is it you got on your shirt there? Yeah, Looney Tunes. <laughs> Looney right. Tunes, exactly. That's right. right. That's so right. We, we speak to Tommy and Looney Tunes. That's right. That's right. And in fact, what you've been talking about for the last five minutes is that's all, folks. Exactly. That's all there is. That's all, folks. Right. Of course, my favorite is Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Right. Because he's the he's the skillful prankster. Uh, he's he's Elmer Fudd. Right. I'm the great hunter. I'm hunting rabbits. And that's that's the side of us. It's, almost, it's almost like the, uh, the the redneck southerner versus the uh, uh, the Yankee gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But of course. As in all iconic works of literature, as in Shakespeare, as in the Bible, Looney Tunes, all the characters are us. They're all different facets of us. So there's the part of us that's Elmer Fudd. I'm going to go out and I'm going to catch a, a wabbit for, to make my dinner. I'm going to find that pesky wabbit. That pesky wabbit. I'm going to hunt down satisfaction. But the but the but that that it keeps eluding us. And what it keeps confronting us with, the koan. That bugs keeps and it keeps confronting us with is, eh, what's up, Doc? Up, doc. What's up, Doc? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. See, because we, we're Doc. Like, okay, I've got my doctorate, right? I've got, I got my PhD. I think I've got it all figured out. But guess what? What's up? What's up? What's down? What's you know? It's like questioning the whole orientation, or it's the questioning about the here now. What's up? I uh-huh. ask that question specifically to students when they call. Right. What's, What's up? happening? What's yeah. happening? What's up? Yeah. 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 Okay. Check Which out, is, co- is check out the present moment. Check out the present mm-hmm. moment of experience. It's an invitation to be in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then the moment you do that, you call off the hunt. Oh, you recognize what a joke it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love, I love the resourcefulness of Bugs, you know, because he really is the teacher. He, he, he's, he's resourceful. He's always got the skillful means, uh, you know, at, 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 right at his uh, fingertips. So if he needs to, he, what he does is if he needs like a, 
a, a, a you know a sledgehammer to bop someone over the head, or he needs a he or, or sometimes he'll dress he, he, a woman's dress. He becomes a he becomes a seductive lady bunny, uh, mm-hmm. and and all he does is he reaches outside the frame of the cartoon and he pulls the thing into the frame. Yes, exactly. Right? And and to me that's the that's the the teacher because the teacher is 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 coming living from from the 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 sublime living from the transcendent from outside our usual frame of reference he just reach right. outside the frame and and bring in the thing that he needs that's going to stop the mind of the student exactly and that um actually then gives a context for the cartoon there's one more point about that and that is is that bugs bunny makes fun of Elmer Fudd, he does not make friends with him. If they did, there would be no more cartoons or there would be five minutes of Bugs and Elmer sitting under a tree. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So right. That, the, the whole point then is, is that we have to keep that, that competition thing going, but Bugs is really, really excellent at that. Right. Right. He, yeah. He's a competitor. And yeah. part of the Dhamma that we have to learn that's really good that is to stop the competition, both first within ourselves and then with other people mm. to make friends. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have to do our loony part of the tunes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then it's just a tune. Then we're in then tune. Then we're in tune, right? Because we're in harmony. <laughs> right. The, the looniness is using that shotgun, thinking you're going to catch bugs. <laughs> right. 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 I think. I think the the greatest uh, uh, Adama oriented of all the of all the Looney Tunes is one. I wonder if you've seen this. Uh, it's called Duck Amuck. Duck Amuck, and the only character in it is is Daffy Duck, uh, and he starts off. He's in costume as a musketeer, you know. He's got okay. the, the the plume mm-hmm. and the sword, and and behind him is the the um, uh, the castle, and he's and he's and there's heroic music playing behind him, and he's saying, you know, stay with me, musketeers. We will rescue the fair maiden, or or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and then. And then, and no one follows him. There's no other character that emerges. But the background changes. Uh, I think a, uh, the, suddenly it's a, like a race, like an eraser erases the the castle, and suddenly he's he's in a farm country, and he realizes, oh my gosh, I'm in a different cartoon. So he runs out of the frame, runs back now in a straw Fresh hat mm-hmm. and, and overhauls, and he's and he's he's chewing on a piece of straw, singing. Daffy Ducky had a farm, E-I-E-I-O. And then it, and then and things keep changing on him, right? And he's getting uh-huh. more and more desperate, right? I keep I keep thinking I know what's going on, but everything uh-huh. keeps changing. And then and then it and it gets more and more crazy where even he changes. At one point, his whole body is erased. And replaced with a crazy, like psychedelic body, and this sounds so dama. Wow, this is amazing! It's it's great. It's great. And 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 at and at one point, he 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 even the 
the frame starts to collapse, the frame of reference, the frame uh-huh. of the cartoon starts to collapse and he has to run and get a, a pole to try to hold it up. Uh, and oh, and then the film starts to flicker. Remember the old days when the, yep. when the film would, would flicker. So you're seeing- We call them flicks. Yes. So you're seeing part of one frame up here and part of another frame here, and then it stalls. So there's two daffies now. And they get into a fight. Right. They start. They, you're right. It's like you know, like every every Dhamma student when they're trying to meditate, they're fighting with themselves. <laughs> exactly. Right? Exactly. And, and finally, he gets so frustrated. He says, "I dem- That's it. This is the last straw. I demand to know who's in charge here." Right? <laughs> okay. Who's in charge here? And, Isn't and, that amazing what we were talking about before? And this yeah. is, I need help. Who's in charge here? That's Who's in charge? <laughs> and then and then the big eraser comes out. We see that a hand in a white glove with the big eraser comes and, and erases everything. And the camera pulls back off of the plane that the uh-huh. cartoon has been in to the draw to an artist, a cartoonist drawing board. And there we see the cartoonist, the one who's in charge, the, the God who's been controlling the whole thing. And it's Bugs Bunny. Bunny. <laughs> that, that cartoon is actually in the Library of Congress. It was deemed, you know, socially, culturally significant. So they're, they're on the right track. Mm-hmm. And you can see all of the Dhamma that goes in there, that we do feel lost, that yes. things are changing on us. Yes. We, we wind up fighting with ourselves. Yes. And then yes. we wind up asking for help. Yes. Because we feel out of control. Yes. And the answer basically is, is that, no, it was Daffy doing it all along anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You were, you were doing it to yourself. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah. And just and 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 if you if you got to find a if you got to find someone in charge, if you have to find someone in charge, Bugs is a pretty good choice. You know, cause, <laughs> just, cause he's always gonna he's always gonna remind you. Just just look at what's up, Doc. Yeah, what's up? This is it. This is it. <laughs> well, this has been such a fabulous conversation. Thank you both very much. Wow. <laughs> Dean, I've really enjoyed talking to you. This has been great. It sounds like that this is a good time to, uh, to yeah, finish. I, I think so. I, I, I don't think we can improve on, on Looney Tunes. So, yes, thank you, Steve, for this opportunity. It's, it's been, and I love the fact that we're able to sit with Steve, you in the UK, and me here in Connecticut, and Damarato in, in Thailand, and through this this miracle, this crazy miracle of technology that, that we're able to, to converse in on whatever plane this conversation has been happening. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> Damarato and Dean Slater, thank you very much. Thank you so much. This has been thank you. quite nice. I've enjoyed the evening. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.